This is Jamal. This is your boy, Adrian. Yo, this is Michael. Thanks for tuning in to The Daily Jam. Fellas, 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 it's Mother's Day. Welcome into the show. What's going on? Whoa. Yes, it What's, is. What's good, people? Nothing much. Nothing much. Welcome and happy Mother's Day to all of you out there. We'll get to that in a second. But before we get there, uh, I know that I kind of want to talk about or pick up from where we were last episode. We were getting towards the end of the show. We were getting coming up against the clock. And I believe um, Jamal had an unpopular opinion about Very. something very unpopular opinion. We didn't get unpopular. to it, but the music cut it off. So first, Jamal, let me apologize to you for that. Whatever, so dude. so, <laughs> whatever, dude. <laughs> so so sorry. Whatever, dude. But I would like to say the floor is yours to talk about your unpopular opinion. Go ahead, Jamal. I said of my cup. It it had something to do with R. Kelly and COVID being released from. No, that wasn't it. Um, so sorry jamal we got to get to the news we don't have enough time for this show we'll get Damn. to it next week you just gonna cut me off like that though that's it, like that's wrong, dude. That's not even me. That's the production. The executive producer That's take it over management. Discriminating against R. Kelly. Sound like <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't hate on the man's music. So in the news, fellas, what's going on in the news? In the news. We what? still got the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you say you still got it? Like, so you actually been diagnosed with it after oh. all those barbecues you had? We oh. as in the world. Text thread. <laughs> nah, he he trying to cover it up. No, I had a big I had a big barbecue yesterday. Invited some new people. Some new people? Did, did some new people? Does the Bible not say to feed the hungry? It does, but I don't know if exactly. it, I don't know if it I, I don't know if it specifically distinguishes doing. that Michael Sanders is supposed to. No, I, I, you know, the person who reads it. <laughs> or it's read too. <laughs> I read something the other day that said um if you so smart, the name the five thousand that Jesus fed. <laughs> yeah, that's not that. <laughs> I sent that to my mama. She didn't think it was funny. Cause she's a very religious person. I love Miss Verdi. Shout out to Miss Verdi. And happy belated birthday yes. to Miss Verdi. Right. Her birthday was yeah. a couple yesterday. days ago. Yesterday. It was yeah. yesterday, yeah. I actually forgot. So I actually ventured out for the first time and I'm not like outside, but like actually on a plane um, during the coronavirus and the flight was completely empty. It had to be less than like 15 people. Is that um, why you look sick? Did uh, you wear a mask? <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I wore a mask, but it was airports were empty and it, it was it was all bad. Um, but people are slowly like starting. The other thing I think the thing that's making me so mad about this coronavirus is that on the flight they refused to uh, have service because of the corona. Like I didn't get my drink that I normally get, I didn't get my snacks that I normally get, none of that stuff. Well, I don't think that that's because of the coronavirus. They that's said it was. No, I think it was. Yeah, the budget. They all kind of cut that out. <laughs> no, they said it was because of the coronavirus. They wanted to limit they contact. I heard spirits. I know so people who actually work there, and they said it's because of the budget. Work where? For airlines, all of them. Her <laughs> spirit still serving people though. I don't know. We'll find out because I got a spirit credit that I need to use by September. They're the only airline that's making me use it like real, real soon. Whereas everybody else gave me like a year and a half too. Are y'all in here? They're actually going out of business. 
Who is? Spirit. Seriously? I don't know if they're going to be able to refund people. I think I think that that's a part of the settlement. There. Um, All right. It's Sunday. You really system. shouldn't lie on a Sunday, and it's Mother's Day. Like we should. Wow. Yeah. You just you just. Well, actually, the Sabbath much. is really Saturday, so Sunday is just an American thing. So it really doesn't oh matter. God. So not only does he not believe in this country of America, and not only is he fake being Jewish like he's just like crossing all the boxes the today. Sabbath is all actually a Saturday ask anyone ask the Seventh-day Adventist all right go ahead and listen to the when, other when, when did Jesus rest he created when, the, the no earth he, rested he rested when he slept yes and that was on a Saturday it wasn't on a Sunday he only slept on one day I don't know that he ever slept because there's a scripture that says he never sleeps nor slumbers so you don't even know the Bible I do I know all 68 books of the Bible so you added a couple? Yeah. The book those of Adrian. Not, those were not a non-canonical <laughs> books. But anyway. Speaking Adrian of Jesus and Adrian the Lord. Believes in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Go ahead. <laughs> Speaking of Jesus and the Lord, COVID-19 and COVID-2020 has claimed the lives of more people who have gone to be up with the big Jesus in the sky. Mm. So yes. not, not to say that they did. They died did of they, Yeah. I don't no. think they died of Corona. No. It sound like it's. News reports no, the, not, uh, no, the guy that the original Tiger King, uh, Roy, Siegfried Roy, yeah. Roy did die from the coronavirus. He was yes, 75 he years old. Yes, he did. Yeah, the original Tiger but, King. Oh, but, I didn't know he was in the show notes. But <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't. He was he not wasn't. in the show notes. He wasn't. But uh, <laughs> sadly, recently we've lost uh, the incomparable Two little icons. Two, Two icons. icons. Actually, like, one yeah, of them. Yep. Yeah. One of the pioneers of rock and roll, ladies and gentlemen, Little Richard. Absolutely. Um, you know, all the documentaries and movies about him is it, just, you know, gives you a great insight and it's sad, but you know he's lived a luscious life. You know, at eighty-seven to die at eighty-seven, uh, he gave a lot of love to the man. Luscious, hey man, <laughs> Richard, <laughs> Richard, Rich, Richard would call himself luscious. Yeah, let him call himself that. You don't do it. Oh my god! <laughs> but I didn't call. Him. I said he's lived a luscious Adrian. life. Adrian, <laughs> oh, I think that can we, that's a strike, ain't it, Adrian? I, I do got my red cup, fellas. I'm gonna pour out. A pour out for uh, pour out one for the homies. Oh the, my the, god! The second icon that we've lost, um, and there's there's a lot more. A second icon we lost was Andre Harrell. Um, most of you might not know him because he's usually behind the scenes. Founder of Uptown Records, um, he brought us Joe to see Puff Daddy, Mary J. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was Puff Daddy's first job. He worked for yep. Andre Harrell. Yeah. That's how he got into the industry. Yep, and so you know, Andre Harrell was a mogul, and the fact that he you know, heavy D. He he brought all these people to 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 music and brought them to us. And uh, he died of a heart attack. Uh, he passed. He was fifty nine, so, right? Young. Yeah, he was, was fifty nine. I believe yeah. he yeah. was. He was young. And um, so, you know, his work would not go unnoticed. 
Yeah. His work on that goal notes. And mm-hmm. yesterday, um, Babyface, I don't know if y'all saw it on Instagram, but Babyface was supposed to do the soundtrack to Waiting to Exhale for Mother's Day and go through all the meanings of the soundtrack and go through that whole thing. But he actually postponed it out of reverence for his friend, uh, Andre, and he actually recorded a song that he wrote especially for him, uh, which mm-hmm. was very nice and beautiful. So if you guys get a chance to go to Babyface's uh, Instagram page, uh, check that out. But you could tell that he was very touched and very moved um, by his yeah. friend and uh, very uh, saddened by his loss. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was, yeah. Yeah, the music industry definitely, um, they, they will leave a void yeah. in the yeah. music industry. And also in the news, unfortunately, um, this past week, we had two uh, major incidences. One actually happened a couple of months ago, but it just came to light because video February, was, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Some video released, but there were two African-Americans. Um, one was in Georgia, and I do apologize to, I don't know, where where, where was the other, sh- the, the in Indiana, right? Indianapolis. Yeah, Indianapolis. Uh, Ahmed, um, apparently, or it appears to be, um, was shot um, while jogging in a Georgia neighborhood, um, and two individuals in a pickup truck um, got out and confronted him, uh, and he was subsequently shot and uh, passed away, and then in Indianapolis, uh, Sean Reed um, was on a police chase um, with the Indianapolis uh, Police Department, and it ended um, with him losing his life um, Mm -hmm. uh, to gunfire, and that has cost a lot of fervor uh, on social media, in particular to the first one with Ahmed. The video was released by someone associated with um, the alleged shooters. Um, and at the time, they were not prosecuted um, because they had ties to the district attorney's office. And then the governor ordered an investigation by the Georgia uh, Bureau of Investigation. And they you called were, them alleged shooters like we didn't see them on the video. <laughs> we didn't see them do it. <laughs> like, I am trying to shooters. Yes, I am trying to be as cordial as possible because it is extremely upsetting and extremely uh, traumatizing to have watched that You're young damn man. Damn right it is. And, and I'm, right. I'm upset. And, and they did it. Those. They did it. <laughs> Yeah, we don't need no trial. We don't need no jury. The shit is right there on the tape. Case closed. Uh, Case closed. Yeah, and I think the the most upset. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mike. I was just gonna say, yeah. I mean, it it definitely is is very troubling, you know. And and I have this conversation with folks all the time. Like, I don't. People think that you know, due to uh, President Trump, that racism is really increasing in America. And I don't. I don't know that I. I agree with that premise. I, I don't know that racism ever really stopped. I know people thought that we were in a post-racial yeah. society once Barack was um, elected, you know, 12 years ago or whatever. But I, I don't I don't know that we really were. Um, I, I think I tweeted the other day is that racism hasn't necessarily increased. It's just being filmed. And so you see it a yeah. lot more. And to your and, point about that, uh, Michelle Obama's new documentary, uh, Becoming, she Becoming. actually... Yes. which was really, really I good. Watch that. Uh, I watched it this it was, morning. It was great. Um, she actually mentions that exact point about people thought that we were in this post-racial America after the election of Barack Obama and the Obamas right. moved into the White House. And truth mm-hmm. be told, that is not the case uh, whatsoever. Not the case. Um, you know, the, the best thing about that documentary is, um, and you'll see it uh, when you watch it, Jamal, is that at one of the um, big arenas that she was at speaking Brock came out on stage yeah. and, he, and he did a j-line uh, yeah I saw <laughs> he, was, it. he was like yeah b and the roc <laughs> he kind of yep. messed up the lie but he but he kind of you know made hey, up. it's like he, this is kind of like jay-z coming out on a beyonce concert but basically hey, but that, they gave him points no they didn't give him points right. someone handed him a note card and told him what to say when he came out there people he love really it now jay-z is his really... favorite artist he no said it. bruce springsteen is his favorite it. artist oh he has never said Bruce came to a couple of things at no, the White House. No, I can, I can, I, 
true or false? Because you know I know this and you don't. True or false? At more campaign events and campaign stops on the campaign trail, he played more Bruce than he did Jay-Z. That's because there was more white people in the audience. Uh, boom. <laughs> but when he has a chance to quote <laughs> lyrics, he ain't never quoted a Bruce that brings me lyrics. That's not true. Jay all the time. That's not Jay true. Even said, Wait, you don't right. need that shit anyway. Come chill with me, on, me the on the beach. True or false. President Obama gave Bruce Springsteen the Presidential Medal of Freedom and he did not give one know, to Jay-Z. I not there. I'm just, I'm saying you can look it up. It's in the history books. It's in the history books. There's a lot of stuff in the history books too. It's true though. I'm just saying. It wasn't true. Yeah. They said Christopher Columbus founded America. That was in the history books too. Oh my God. Well, at least you brought it back to the original subject of racism in America. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, no, but, but Ahmad and and Sean. Yeah. That, 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 that's, that's hard. You know, I actually saw a, a friend of mine post either today or yesterday, um, and he's like my age. Mm-hmm. And he says that still today, he said, even though, you know, his license is fine, his insurance is fine. Anytime he sees a cop light, you know, in his back, in his rearview mirror, it makes him nervous. And the only thing he's thinking about is, am I going to die today? Yeah. And so I think that, you know, living as a black person, um, male or female really today, because there's been several females yeah. that have also been Sandra Bland. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, I think it's really tough. And just to have to, you know, raise your child and tell them that, you know, um, I think one of the most profound tweets that I found and I retweeted and posted uh, yesterday or day before or something like that was um, a, a woman who said, question for all the white folks on my timeline. What are you doing to make sure that you're raising children that won't kill mine? I mean, yeah, I saw, like I saw you profound. post that. That's yeah. how you post that. Yeah, I'm, I'm still waiting on the responses. I put a popcorn meme up there just so I could. No, it wasn't a popcorn meme. It was the Fox <laughs> meme so I could sit there and wait yeah, for the yeah. answer. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you look, go look at Michael's post. I think the first eight posts is like memes of black folks waiting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> waiting for a response. Uh, but, uh, but to your so point. Oh, go ahead. Jamal, no, I was going to say, just shout out to all the uh, the white folks who were brave enough to answer that question. Yeah. And yeah. we have a, a our good brother, uh, um, E, shout out to Edgar out there in Oklahoma, who's a storm chaser and a little bit uh, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. However, uh, <laughs> he made a great, 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 great post the other day about him walking in the neighborhood, walking through a construction zone and not having any issues whatsoever because of his white privilege. Um, and so it was a really, really, really good post. Um, but to the point that you also made, Michael, I remember um, living in uh, every time I would go home to visit. Uh, from college campus, I had a, uh, I want to say it's an 03 or 04 Chevy Impala, tenant windows, everything, and I would always drive out to my old neighborhood, which is a really, really bad neighborhood known for drugs, but I would always, always, always get pulled over, um, and I'd have these, it was always a weird confrontation until they ran my plates and saw my criminal record, but also, more importantly, until they saw me dressed up and saw where I was going, or they saw what my ID badge was um, because of where I worked at the time and how the interaction changed. A suit with an American flag. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. It, it mm-hmm. always all, changed. Yeah. That, so people who don't know you wouldn't even think. So an Impala is generally a drug dealer's car. Yep. So, <laughs> yep. <laughs> so my first question is, why would you have an Impala? <laughs> I love that Impala. It was gray, leather interior, moonroof. I went to Z-Bart, got the tenant windows, like 
super super dark. I, I mean, it was just but a you gorgeous car. You just you trying to get pulled over. But here's the thing, though. It was it's this is America, as our in the news uh, intro goes. But it's it's my car, my decision. And I love that car. And just because I was going into a particular neighborhood known for drugs doesn't mean that I was engaged in activity. I was going to visit my aunt. I was going to visit my foster mom, friends, family, whatever. But I always had an issue. And usually, mm-hmm. it was always on Third and Broadway, right up there by the Church's Chicken. That's where I normally yeah. would get stopped at. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we talked a lot about, you know, and there's been a lot of um, social media things around the Ahmad shooting, not as much around the Sean shooting in, in Indianapolis, at least from my timeline. Um, but a lot of people, you know, were kind of sharing the video or some people were kind of sharing the video because he went live. He was live yeah. on, was it Facebook or Instagram? It was Facebook. Insta- was it Facebook? Yeah, Facebook. He was live on on Facebook when he kind of went, and then of course, you know, you 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 saw what you saw and then heard the rest of it, and um, it was interesting, you know, that people were kind of commenting as he hit the ground, and you know, the people, the police who shot him, uh, was not aware that you know they right. were on live live uh, social media. Uh, and go ahead, and, and there were a lot of comments, um, and, and to your point again, Michael. Um, I didn't agree. I, one, I don't agree with the whole ordeal uh, from him running from the cops to him jumping out to the cop saying it's going to be a closed casket. It's I, I, yeah, closed you know, casket, homie. Yeah, I mean, uh, so th- there was a lot of points in that interaction that uh, I think needs to be discussed. I don't think we have time to do that today. Um, I think how I feel about it, it could be unpopular to some people. Yeah. Um, you know, I just have this thing about you know, the whole uh, free little, free little will will mentality. So mm. basically, you knew you knew he was doing some dirt. He's doing the time or, you know, the ultimate you died. And now you saying rip, he was a good dude, blah, blah, blah. But you are no video, longer invited to the cook. I'm just saying, <laughs> but this is but that's just not on Sean. You know, yeah. it's it's we see this multiple times in our community. So, you know, you but that's for another time. your children can come to my cookouts. <laughs> <laughs> Nalita probably still can. I need to talk I, to her I think first. actually, I think Jamal makes some good, interesting points that we do need to explain, exp- explore further. My problem with the whole Mr. Reed situation is his portrayal in the media. And part of that has to do with some of the points that uh, Jamal was making, but also is that he was also serving the military. And so typically, if this were to happen, maybe if someone of a different race, uh, they would be um, uh, portrayed uh, as maybe someone who is suffering from maybe some mental health illness, maybe some PTSD or whatever. But his portrayal was kind of sort of to Jamal's points about maybe because he he may allegedly and I'm going to stress the word allegedly up to some criminal behavior. Um, but if you go on social media, there were very few photos, unless you were intentionally looking, of him in his, serv- in his service uniform. Like the respect and dignity that he deserved, even though he you know, is deceased and shot by the police, but also holding the police accountable for what he said. I mean, you can do a lot of trash talking, you can say all that kind of stuff and make all the boneheaded decisions that you make. But law enforcement, in my opinion, should not be saying those type of comments, uh, especially right. after a shooting incident. Just And yeah. I think that's part right. of the outrage, too, because that further enhances people's beliefs that the police or law enforcement is not on our side. Uh, and that, again, yeah. that's a discussion for. That, yeah. yeah. And that, that's why, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to even, you know, fault him, you know, for running from the police, you know, like, like, you know, whether he should have ran or not, you know, obviously that can be a discussion. But to me, running from the police is not a reason to be shot and killed. And so whether he ran or not, and then we know dozens and dozens of black men who did not run from the police mm-hmm. correct, and were still shot, who had their hands up 
We're still Correct. shot, you know? So it's almost like, it doesn't matter what you do. And so like to put the blame, like to me, he is totally a victim. He was shot and had nothing to do with being shot because there was no reason none of the police officers lives were in danger and so they did not have to shoot so in my mind sean was a victim regardless of what he did in his past regardless of where he was coming from what he had just recently done whether he ran or not he was a victim and did not deserve to die like he like he died similar right. to um, um, ahmed uh, in georgia where even there are some rumors and speculation that he may right. have been involved in some type of mm -hmm. you know, home invasion or robbery again we, yeah. i wasn't there but whatever whether you whether there's a lot of incidents that happened before that, whatever the nerve is before that, the point of the matter is he should not have been killed by two citizens, period. Right. Neither one of them. Neither, Neither one, one of them. And, that, uh, and so but for were two former people, police officers, what I'm told. They, they had close ties to the district attorney's office. And I think this is what's most upsetting to me because I try to go and read as much as possible. The mm -hmm. police actually wanted to arrest those two individuals right mm -hmm. then and there when the incident happened and the district attorney's office declined to prosecute for whatever reasons. And most people believe it is because he has employment ties to that district attorney's office. So the one occasion or not one, let me rephrase that as a blanket statement on one of the few occasions where police officers say, this is not a situation where they were protecting their home or defending their home. This is a clear case where we believe they are, they have committed murder and or, and or homicide. We believe they should be arrested. They made that recommendation to the district attorney's office and the district attorney's office declined to prosecute at the time. And it wasn't until the video was released and public outcry came and then the governor got involved. And now those two individuals have now been arrested, subsequently uh, arrested. Right. Yeah, the right. and the jury's still out because they uh, recent reports said that um, Mr. Reed had a, a weapon on him. So they said they found that it was on the scene. Uh, you know, there are no pictures, of course, and the investigation is still going on. So we'll see what happens uh, when it all comes out in the wash. Absolutely. So with that being said, I think it's time for us to move on. And in, in order for us to move on, I'm just going to play. This is not in the show notes, but it's going to be because we've got a big announcement. But I want to play my dude first. That shout out Who to my that? homie Bruce Springsteen. Meet me in the city. Uh, it is still Who? national. Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> right. Who? Why he, wants, why he want you to meet him in the city? Because that's the song that I play anytime that I get on the airplane and step off the airplane. It's my anthem song, so don't hate. I don't have time to get into it, so, all right? Golly. Mm. What y'all gonna do in the city when y'all get there? We mm. gonna sing more Bruce Springsteen songs. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> it is still National Foster Care Month, uh, and Jamal, yeah. myself, and Michael have been going back and forth over the last couple weeks about something we want to do for our listeners out there, something we want to do for some of the foster youth. Uh, and we came up with a great idea. We're kind of shocked that it's kind of taken off the way that it did, but here <laughs> we got an announcement coming up. So we're going to be launching a campaign here in a couple of weeks. Please be on the lookout for that, um, where we are creating an exclusively designed T-shirt for you to purchase. And the proceeds will go to buy graduation gifts for youth aging out of foster care uh, in Ohio because all of it, all three of us are connected to Ohio. We're all three connected to the child welfare system. Mike worked there for a number of years, uh, training a lot of foster parents and caseworkers across the state. Jamal is still heavily involved there. They got his face plastered all over billboards and websites. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I have close ties to Ohio as well. And so we were re we were recently contacted. Oh, excuse me. We recently contacted the state of Ohio to um, 
see if we could partner with them to see if this could work. And to uh, our surprise and credit, they are on board with this. And so they are reaching out um, to the various agencies oh, across the various agencies across the state um, to get us those graduates. And our goal is to use the proceeds from the t-shirt sale to buy swag bags and, and graduation gifts for Foster youth. So please, please, please support us. We'll have further announcements and show you what the t-shirt design looks, uh, looks like the campaign website that you can go on and purchase the shirt. Um, and we appreciate, appreciate, appreciate you listening to the daily jam, but also appreciate your support uh, so that we can give, uh, give back to our community. Wait a minute. So that that's, I thought the proceeds was going to a vacation for us. Uh, no, that uh, we're not you, Mike. We actually we're, want to give our our resources oh, back to okay. the people. Yeah. Oh yeah. Lord. Was, was that in right? Was that an initial consideration? <laughs> He's about to say, is that in writing? <laughs> <laughs> and before we continue to go off at of the deep end, just be on the lookout for that. Let's get ready to talk about Mother's Day. Watch out, cause Mike is gonna sing something. I really should have been a singer, fellas. No. You taught me everything, everything you've given me. I always keep it inside. You're the driving force in my life. There isn't anything or anyone that I could be And it just wouldn't feel right and If I didn't have you by my side Y'all was just waiting on that part We was waiting on that part But we're going to let that play in the background As we get ready to give Mother's Day shout outs To all the important women yes. and mothers in our life Yes, yes Like I, I posted on Facebook today um, you know, there's a lot of women that have come in my life uh, to be mother figures for me. And, and so much of that, I mean, I can't name them all. Um, but I would like to Oops, give a shout out to my mother-in-law, my uh, unofficial adopted mother, uh, uh, Dawn, uh, my wife, who's the mother of my children. We're glad uh, that she's the mother of your children. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> shout That's out awesome. to Nalita. Yeah, shout out to Nalita. She's awesome. I yeah. I love her. She's a, she's a great mom. Yeah. So yeah. So you know, and all the other women, and also milfs. And, and <laughs> milfs. What? what are you sh- say? You are shouting. What did you say? Who? Are you sh- Who are you? Adrian, Dude. please turn up the music or go or something. Nah, Take man. the mic away from him. I'm done. I'm done. I can't. Get through a for our listeners out there, I, 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 I'm so, so sorry for the amateurs that I work with. Just straight amateurs. So I'd like to give a first special shout out to the mother of the kid. She's a fantastic mom. Uh, we had a great time this morning um, at breakfast. Um, so she's a fantastic mom. Always has been, always will be. Um, great, great, great. Shout out to all the moms out I there. love you, Keisha. Uh, shout out to all the moms out there who are who have played a role in my life, will play a role in my life. So there's the Dorises, there's the Tovas, there's our special guest today, Helen E. Jones Kelly. She's a, been a mother figure 
to, it's just so many to name. And then if since I start naming, now I'm going to get in trouble because I can't remember all of them. Exactly. So <laughs> <laughs> you better keep on, buddy. Yeah. So my aunt Becky, um, she's fantastic. To my grandma, to uh, all the foster parents, all the caseworkers, anyone who has had a hand in my upbringing. Shout out, actually, special shout out to my Seattle mom. Um, she saw a, a news article about me years ago and continued mm -hmm. to write me, send me gifts, uh, socks, Starbucks cards. Uh, very, very, very awesome lady. So shout out to Seattle mom. Um, who else? People who have unofficially adopted me, people who have officially adopted me or tried to. And I said no, because I like to keep my last name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> shout out to those people who reach out. Uh, shout out to Jessica Schneider Chance out in Colorado, who's the mother of Danny. Fantastic, fantastic mom. Um, uh, shout out to all the black moms out there and white moms and any other color mom. But just moms are just great. And so um, shout out to Mike's uh, Sandy, who's the mother of his children. And where did Jamal go? See, this is how we always go off the road. He has completely disappeared. I think the leader came. She heard him say MILFs. <laughs> he got snatched up. So uh, General Jamal has been snatched up by his wife. For so our listeners out there who know and love us, we love you too. But so we do this on Zoom. And so Jamal has completely disappeared and he disappeared right after his comments. So we're suspecting that Alita came in a room and now there is some type of dispute yeah. going in the household. Well, like like technically we're we're mandated reporters but that's for children though so like, <laughs> should, should we call the columbus police department and send him over there for a well visit we should because he has not been back i don't it's, he hasn't texted us anything he might be in trouble oh no, yeah you might want to text him while i'm giving my shout out all right so you go ahead and give a oh, shout out and i'll try to find him okay um it is mother's day mother's day is, is always a special day i think that most people appreciate women in their lives um that have helped to guide and to steer their lives and uh, for me i think i was really really fortunate and having um, several moms, I think that there's actually a, an Indian proverb or Native American proverb that says we all have many mothers and I did too. So I was fortunate to have um, uh, several mothers. And so shout out to all of them. Um, I was actually legally adopted. So shout out to um, my adopted mom. May she rest in heaven. Rest in she heaven. has passed um, about 18 years ago now. My biological mom, who I am still very close with, um, is uh, alive and kicking. Her birthday was yesterday. So happy birthday, mom. And happy birthday, Miss Verdi. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day as my, well. My sisters, you know, um, and my nieces. Uh, there's a lot of people in my family that are mothers. I tried to text a lot of them. Uh, really wanted to send a special shout out to my ex-wife, my baby mama, Andy, <laughs> <laughs> the mother of my, of my two beautiful children. I would not have um, wanted to spend the time raising, we've been divorced for about 18 years too, 18, 19 years. Um, but I would not have wanted to raise my children with any other woman. Uh, maybe Nia Long. Oh my God. Um, maybe Tamron Hall. I'm not doing this. No, not doing maybe this. Maybe Holly Berry, you know, maybe Taraji P. Henson. But other than that, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's a few more, but I just don't have time to name. But, uh, you know, basically with the exception of those, you know, 20, 25 people, I would not have wanted to raise my children. 25? <laughs> <laughs> so shout out to Sandy Sanders. Um, 
She's actually coming next week and wants me to cook out on the grill. She wants to come to the cookout next week. So. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, yeah, shout out to all the moms out there. Shout out to both my sisters, um, Brittany and Devanna, uh, who have given me great joy uh, with all of my nieces and nephews. Uh, that's a fantastic brood. Shout out to Latissa and all her kids. Uh, that's my turtle clan. Those are awesome uh, people. So And shout out to all of you out there. Um, and shout out to those who um, – are having a tough day today. I know Mother's Day can be tough for some individuals who may not have yeah. the best of relationships with their mom or a mother figure or their mom has um, gone on uh, to the other side, whatever the side that you be, uh, believe in. Uh, and, or in some cases, like I do, I don't have a good relationship with my biological mom, but I still wish her a happy uh, Mother's Day today. So if you're going through tough times and this is not typically a celebratory holiday for you, um, I'm thinking of you as well. Yep. Yeah. Shout out to all the foster moms out there too. We do this work. Yeah. And uh, while there are, you know, some foster moms who foster parents who don't really do a great job with kids, there are some really, really um, great foster parents, adoptive parents, kinship parents who uh, have given their life to helping kids uh, raise kids that they did not birth. So shout out to all of those families as well. Absolutely. Including Mama Denise Goodman of Columbus, right. Ohio. She made a great post today. And uh, I don't if you were to measure motherhood in the terms of just the amount of people that she's influenced, then mm-hmm. she, Mama Denise has a ton of kids, like probably thousands, if not, because she's trained foster parents. She's been an adoptive parent. She's been a foster parent. She's just a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic lady. So shout out to you, Mama Denise. Been my mentor for over 20 years. Gotcha. Shout out Dr. G. All, All right. right. So Jamal uh, getting beat up by his wife on Mother's Day was not in our show notes. So it's not. We're gonna keep on now. We're keep on. All right. I, I honestly think the leader can get him too. Like if I think she can take him. <laughs> oh, I know what we'll do. I'm gonna uh, let this uh, voiceman play a little bit, and then when we come back, let's talk about the Erica Badu uh, and Jill Scott thing real quick, and then uh, we'll get ready for um, uh, our main topic. Of main the day. topic. Yeah, because that that was pretty deep. So shout out to all you Mother's Day folks who celebrate and those who don't, um, and we'll be right back. Oh Mama, God, no! Feels like food to my soul. From the movie Soul Food. All right, that was a good song. Mm-hmm. Love that song. Let's briefly talk about Erica Badu and the Jill Scott thing, which was fantastic. And then uh, we'll get uh, our special guest in line because she is ready. So I'll give her a call here shortly. But uh, last night was a pretty fantastic night on Instagram. I think they broke a record at the time I was watching. It was like over 700,000, but yeah. uh, it was just great to see Erica and Jill Scott just, just go at it back and forth and not from a versus standpoint, but just strictly from just enjoyment and admiration for each other's music. It was, it literally was a whole mood. It was awesome. It really, I mean, it, it was, I was watching it. And at first I was like, are they going to play music or are they just going to talk? And they were, it, it definitely, they definitely took the whole spirit of the competition out. They both have, you know, wonderful music and it was funny because I was talking to some people. I actually went to Stone Mountain this morning and, and walked with some folks that I know, and we were kind of talking about it. And everybody was like, man, you know, it, it was so great to see two black women, 
you know, loving each other and loving each other's yep. music and their craft and stuff like that. And one person even said, man, it felt, it, it felt, you know, you know, kind of sensual or erotic, you know, they were just, just love was just like all over the place. Yeah, it was so, great. Yeah, Loved it. it. And they, they, and they went for, uh, about two and a half hours, uh, right. or maybe even longer than that, but it was, it was fantastic. And so love, love that black woman magic. And speaking of black woman magic, today's, uh, podcast and main topic is about, um, the documentary, um, the Gabriel Fernandez story. And we have a special guest, um, Helen E. Jones, Kelly, mama, Helen, are you with us? I am with you. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can hear you, Mama Helen. Happy Mother's Day. Oh, thank you, babies, all of you. Thank you so much. So good to hear your own voices. Oh, yes. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited. This is Michael. Yeah. So first Michael, thing. Michael, yep, it's been Michael. a while. Yeah. Good to hear you. <laughs> and Jamal um, has is some type of uh, issue with uh, Nalita because he gave the wrong shout out during Mother's Day while we were recording. And so he just dropped <laughs> off the call. So he's in trouble with the wife. So he'll be back on with us in a little bit. Mama. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's actually logging back on now, he said. Yeah, okay. So um, <laughs> just want to set the stage for our listeners out there. And then we'll um, talk, give you a little intro about to who... Um, Helen Jones Kelly is so there's a documentary on Netflix which we encourage everyone to watch it's been out there for a while now and it's because it's National Foster Care Month we really really are trying to bring attention to it now uh, this is a very 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 extreme case so when you watch it please kind of keep that in mind this is we pray fully and hopefully know that and know that this is not the norm but it's a tough documentary it's very very emotional and there was a lot of breakdowns in the system and unfortunately um this eight-year-old uh young boy um died and there are many failures and so today we wanted to kind of talk about um the story the documentary but also talk to an expert in the field um who has a lot of experience from leading departments uh and dealing with these type of cases but more importantly get her advice and con uh, consultation about what we can do to try to help the system and make the system better um, and so a couple of disclaimers, Mike, you want to talk about the disclaimers real quick? Um, yeah, uh, you mentioned, mentioned a couple of them. It's, it's really because it was tough to watch. It's going to also be tough to talk about, to be honest. Um, it, it made me very emotional. I'm sure the co-host and made them just as emotional watching this, um, both from our work in this field and our commitment uh, to the field. So, you know, we we may get emotional, possibly. Um, I know that you, you're accustomed to us using humor. Uh, a lot. Sometimes we use humor to kind of deflect from the pain. Um, not exactly sure because we didn't, you know, this isn't scripted. So right. uh, don't know exactly how this is going to go, but, you know, please do not mistake any humor that may be used in the talking about this case, the trials of Gabriel Fernandez uh, as, as calloused or that we don't care. Um, it's really just a defense mechanism, I think, for us. Um, and this is really one of the most extreme cases. Um, while this is not the norm that happens in child welfare, um, it does happen from time to time. And so just for people out there who may not be aware of the child welfare system, to give you just a brief background on it so that you can kind of understand some of our conversation today uh, and right before we kind of do a, a proper introduction of, of Ms. Helen, who is our guest today. Um, is that you have to kind of understand how uh, child welfare kind of started. Back in 1893 or 97, I can't remember exactly. You're about uh, four years first, old. The, first, the very first case was a young lady named Mary Ellen um, that was actually brought before the courts around child abuse. And the interesting thing is, is that there were no laws against child abuse in this country just over 100 years ago. There were no laws. You could literally 
do whatever you wanted to your child. That was your property. Um, and in order, but this young lady was uh, beaten so badly uh, that they decided to kind of take it to court and they had to try her under the Animal Cruelty Act because there were laws against beating animals and killing animals before there were laws against beating or killing your children in this particular society. And so over the years, um, we've kind of grown into what we call the child welfare system. And I think that it's been an evolution and that we're doing much better work today than we were 100 years ago or even 50 years ago or 20 years ago. But there's still a long, long, long way to go for our system to kind of get better. Right. And it kind of comes to um, doing right by children and families. And so we'll get into some of that. Also, to just to kind of give you a, um, to help you to understand Los Angeles County, because this is where this young man um, uh, was was killed, was murdered by his, his mother and her boy, her then boyfriend. Um, Los Angeles County is the largest child welfare county in the country. And there's more kids in foster care in that county than in most states today. Right. There's about 30,000 kids in out-of-home care uh, wow. or in foster care. There's about another 20,000 that they work with uh, that are with their families, um, but there is a child welfare case on it. Uh, when I used to do a lot of work back there, probably in the early 2000s in LA County, they had about 60,000 kids in out-of-home care. So they have about half today. And so over the last 15, 20 years, they've uh, worked really, really hard to keep children out of foster care. And so while 30,000 seems to be a large number to most people, and it, it really is, it's down from half, you know, because when I was there early 2000s, to, you know, 2003 to 2007, um, they had around 60,000 at that particular time. So they've done a lot of really, really good work to um, get that number down. And so just wanted you to kind of understand that the purpose of the, the child welfare system is to make sure that children are safe from abuse, neglect, sexual victimization, um, and there's a process that when uh, someone calls and says that a child is in danger, then there's an investigation that goes on to help people to decide whether or not this child is in immediate danger, uh, if, you know, what types of interventions should take place. And um, the last thing that um, systems try to do is to take children from their families if it's at all possible. If there's any way that that child can be safe and remain with that family, that generally is the decision that is made. If that cannot happen, then they come into the foster care system. And then there's a variety of things that can kind of happen as a result of that um, being placed in a foster home is one. Um, usually they try to look for a relative or some, something like that in order to do that. So that's just kind of, you know, help people to understand that what the system. Thank is you, Professor Sanders. We appreciate that. And you're welcome. Call me doctor. Thank you. Very much. <laughs> All right. Jamal's back with us. Jamal, why don't, you give... class <laughs> why don't you give a proper introduction of my mom, Helen Jones, Kelly. So Jamal, why yes. do you have a black eye first before you give a what? Now, just, oh, never just mind. So you know. Listen to the podcast. You can't say that because this is going I'm, I'm we doing the video. I'm putting the video up. So you ain't gonna see the black eye. <laughs> Uh, so we have uh, Helen Jones Kelly is currently the executive director of the Alcohol, Drug, and Addiction and Mental Health Services Board of Montgomery County of Ohio. Uh, before moving into that position, she was the special assistant to the president of Central State University and 
concurrently served as the interim general counsel of secretary for the university boards of trustees. Yes. For God, for central, for state <laughs> do that work for my, for my university. What's that university called? That's the official name? For central God, state. For central, for state. That, that's our motto for God, for, for central, central, for state. For state. Yes. Um, and are they still you know, an accredited university? Just asking yeah, a friend. Yes, we are an accredited okay. university. Awesome. Yes, unlike they are. Most, <laughs> unlike most universities in Chicago. <laughs> but but to to her credit, she has a, a host of experiences. Um, I mean, listen, she's a fabulous and a, a wonderful woman. She's very knowledgeable uh, and does a lot of great work in this wonderful state of Ohio, mainly in Dayton. Um, but we are waiting to hear your expertise as we touch on uh, our subject. So without any further ado, Helen Jones Kelly. Thank you. First, Thank first you. in the full interest in transparency, though, full interest of transparency, Helen Jones Kelly is my mom, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone right. everyone who listens uh, to the show knows that I grew up in Falls Creek, and I grew up in Dayton. And at the time that I was in the system, um, Helen Jones Kelly was the executive director of the Montgomery County Department of Job and Family Services uh, and Children's Services Division. And so a lot of the, um, if you know about foster care, um, you had to have permission to do a lot of things, take trips. Uh, get a lot of things signed off, and a lot of the, all of the forms that I got um, was signed Helen E. Jones Kelly. And I never met, and until I met her for the first time, I never who never knew who she was, but I always knew that that's the lady that was the boss because every document had her signature on it. And so when I finally met her, um, I called her my mom because um, she said I could go everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and your mom always sweet, always. <laughs> yes. So, that is wonderful. So, Helen, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into the actual documentary, because it is a deep, deep documentary, but just mm-hmm. we want to turn our floor for a couple minutes before we kind of start asking uh, our questions. Well, I, I think you covered, you know, kind of the, the highlights, really. You know, I'm an attorney by training um, and a social worker by heart. Uh, I'm an educator also by training, but but I'm a mom. I'm a mom. And, and that's an important element of, of everything I've done in my career um, because I come at it um, first with, with purpose. And I think we all have, have a reason for being here. And, and I think once we understand our reason, then that influences the way we address anything that we do. So um, just while I was in higher ed, while I was in any of the jobs that you mentioned, uh, it always was about purpose and living out that purpose. Um, there was something else that you said that I really want to kind of resonate to before we start with the question. Um, and that is um, that Michael mentioned, you know, we, we use a lot of humor. Um, it's more like a pressure valve because what we're going to be talking about today gets really heavy, gets really deep. Yeah. And uh, the humor allows us to release a little bit of that and, and, and to be able to try to find some of the positives out of the darkness. Um, of the story that we're going to be talking about, because I think that if we can't find some light um, and some positive and some purpose in that, uh, then we get stuck. And that is certainly not our goal, because as you mentioned, this all started with uh, a young girl who was abused and that we had a, a system where we had a society for the prevention of cruelty to animals before we had a society for the prevention for cruelty to children. And um, it's easy to get stuck there, but we don't. We start focusing on where have we come, how far have we come, and what else can we do to make it better. And cases like the one that we're talking about today kind of help us get refocused around that um, because there's still a lot of work to do, but there's a lot of gain in what we've done so far. Absolutely. 
there's, you know, and we, we, we are so excited. You know, we've been talking about it all week or a couple of weeks uh, waiting for you to kind of come on. It was interesting because, you know, I, I told the fellas that it's Mother's Day. We probably shouldn't have you come on today. Don't you, Day, Michael, I swear and to Adrian God. Adrian was like, <laughs> was like oh, that's my mama. She don't mind. She like a mother to me. She don't mind. I'm like, hey, but it's Mother's Day. It's like in the middle of the day. That's like the worst thing in the world. So thank you for, you know, I, I know that I'm sure your children and grandchildren probably had some special. First of all, there are receipts, mom, that clearly show that they are rude and disrespectful <laughs> for having you come on here on Mother's Day that I sent them Mom's. saying, why y'all got her doing this? And I will screenshot them and send them to her as soon as this call is over. So don't Adrian do that. Adrian was the main component. <laughs> exactly. But the other part is you can say that you were my son before some of these other people were in my life. So this is know. true. That's true. That's true. And she was at my graduation. It was really cool. That's right. That's why he said you wouldn't mind. <laughs> That's right. But thank you so much for coming. Yeah, on. one of the yes. things that um, uh, I want to make sure our listeners also uh, understand is that just because we're talking about a situation in the largest county in the country, this could happen anywhere. Because uh, as we'll maybe Absolutely. get into a little bit, um, Helen um, had mentioned that there was a case uh, in her county uh, in Ohio, um, similar to this, where there was a young child in care who um, died that was in the protect or that was uh, in the protective services of Children's Services. So we'll get into that a little bit. So my first question, uh, Mom, but, and for the listeners. Go ahead. Let's do this, Adrian. Before we kind of get into the meat of that, let's, you know, Miss Helen, just kind of tell us um, what's your favorite, um, who's your favorite um, music? What's your favorite type of music or your favorite artist or group? Let's just talk a little <laughs> bit so that people can kind of get to know you. Because uh, part of what we do is we play a lot of music yep. on here. We talk a lot about music and, and things like that. And so that people can kind of get to know you. Um, let's do some of that first and then we'll get into well you know i'm glad to talk about music it's the great equalizer mm -hmm. and i like all music but if you were to ask me now who's your favorite artist there there are actually two there's two groups i'm old school mm -hmm. earth wind and fire let me just start right there earth wind and fire <laughs> that's right that's right and then of course the old commodores so the you know they're commodores. kind of so, you know the old so, commodores <laughs> so with, with, with lionel the real music with Lionel, that's right. Yes. Okay, the, Com <laughs> the Commodores with Lionel, not after Lionel, okay. But let's face it, the Commodores aren't the Commodores without Lionel Richie. <laughs> I still think he coming That's right. Back. That's right. <laughs> oh, you, you thinking that? <laughs> I made a prediction every year. Like, I make predictions just like wild and crazy predictions every year. And every year I've made a prediction he's coming back. He's never come back. But I'm still holding out hope. I'm still holding out hope. <laughs> <laughs> hope springs eternal. Hope. <laughs> there you go. Hope springs eternal. It really does. <laughs> so, so Earth, Wind, and Fire. Any any favorite song off Earth, Wind, and Fire? I think everybody loves the elements. I think you're right. It's well, I, I I don't think there's a song that they've ever made that wouldn't become everybody's favorite song, right? Sing yeah. a song. Sing a, right on a day like this, especially. Fortunately, we just got over a, a thunderstorm, so we've got sunshine again. Sing a song, right? Uh, yeah, um, mm -hmm. Let's see. Um, <laughs> I can't Love think holiday. of anything that I don't like by them. Yeah, we were we were talking a little bit before you got on about some of their music or before we kind of started recording. Now, here's to me the big question. So we, we've had this age old fight between the three of us. Oh, we don't do this. have been friends and colleagues for several years and have started working together. Don't do this. And we, we just need help it. to understand. <laughs> we age. Uh, well, I'm not going to tell you some one of us is a huge, huge Bruce Springsteen fan. The other two are huge, huge Jay-Z fans. So my question to you is that if you had to go to one of their concerts, 
either Bruce Springsteen or a Jay-Z concert and also understand that um, Barack Obama said that, you know, Jay-Z is his favorite and that Michelle Obama listens to a lot of his music. So they may actually be at one of those concerts. If you had to go to a concert between Bruce Springsteen and Jay-Z, Miss Helen, which of those two artists would you go see? <laughs> well, you know, I usually agree with Barack on a lot of his insights. He and Michelle, you know, are also in my favorite category. But uh, yeah. Bruce Springsteen. Yes, thank you. My choice. Thank you, thank you. See, this <laughs> is why I love her. Could you thank see you for did your you, time? Did you? Did you? Did you? Yes, please. Did you see what she did there? She set you up, and then she brought you back down. This is why I, know, I, I knew. Get. When she said, when, I knew it when she said I usually agree with Ron. Right. Right it was over from there. And you're lucky that I don't have control over the soundboard because I'd have muted her or something. No, nope. <laughs> you, you ain't doing that to my mom. Okay. Well. I'm not sure if 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 the audience is is going to like consider you an expert now, Miss Helen. I, I don't know, but I well, guess we can go ahead and try. <laughs> I will convince well, them because she is an expert. She has a JD from the University of Dayton. She was the director. She worked for Governor Strickland. She's now head of the Adamus Board. She did children's services. She used to do some work with uh, some uh, other nonprofits. She's taught at Georgetown. So don't come for my mom. University yeah, Frank. don't don't come for her. <laughs> I didn't say me. I said the audience. Right. I'm telling the audience don't come for her. But she, she, I think she gets a pass with Earth, Wind, and Fire. So, not. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, so that's, 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 a, that's how I saved myself. Huh? So, <laughs> yeah. so, Jamal, are you saying that she chose Bruce Springsteen because she's closer to his age than Jay Z? Is that what you're saying? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, well, Miss Helen. All right. Beyonce, if you'd mentioned his wife, I would have said, oh, yeah, Beyonce. But yeah. well, she's always at his concert. She's going to be there. Well, so, yeah, so, being there is not performing. So does that mean, Miss Helen, that you tried the Savage Remix Challenge? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I would, I you would almost have me afraid to answer. <laughs> I would love to see that. I think you should put that on social media. Yeah, I think you should, media. too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, all right. So I think the people, you know, they, they love music. They'd love to hear what kind of music uh, our guests love to listen to. So yeah. thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. One of the, Adrian's going to start us off. Yeah, right? I'll start us off. But one of the great things that at the time that I was using, I'm going to refer to this a lot because it, it really is truly awesome to kind of be in this position now, all these years later, having known her as a young person in care and now uh, being a in a professional role. Um, it's just cool to go back and talk to her about a lot of these things. But one of the cool things that always endeared her to many of the youth uh, in Montgomery County and across the state is she was not afraid to come to our level. I remember her coming to our first youth advisory board meeting. And so the fact that we have a director of the agency coming to our youth advisory board meeting to talk to us about our issues made us feel important. And she actually took a lot of those recommendations to heart. So it's a uh, it was, it's pretty awesome to kind of talk to you now, mom. And for those out there listening, I, I call her mom. So I'm going to refer to her a lot is that Michael and Jamal have to be respectful. Mom and call her Miss Heaven, uh, Miss Helen. So get it right. Uh, so my <laughs> first question is, what were your general thoughts or impressions of the documentary? Oh, dear. That, um, that was really hard. Even with all the years I've had uh, in working with the system, that was a very difficult documentary for me to watch. In fact, I had to stop and start, stop and start. Um, and some of that is for the very reason that you just mentioned. I take that work very seriously. Um, and to be listening and watching um, a piece that 
people simply were not as deeply engaged with the young man. Um, you all already mentioned there were, there were a lot of places along the way that were missed, signs that were missed, opportunities that were missed. Um, the opportunity to engage with the young people that we serve is probably one of our primary responsibilities. Um, and it just really broke my heart to see that uh, there wasn't the level of, of deep connection to this young man from the start, from the people who were charged with responsibility for serving him. Right. And that's not an indictment, but it's just it's an observation that if you're taking this work on, then you've got to get in there and you've really got to become a parent. You've got to become a parent. The minute you decide this is the work you're going to do, you become the parent. So, yeah, I was supposed to show up at your all's meeting because I was your parent. I'm supposed to be there. Awesome. Um, one of the things um, that kind of struck me in the first couple episodes, and I'm not going to give the entire show away so the, those who are out there listening can go and watch um, the documentary for yourself. Uh, just kind of keep in mind what we kind of said at the, at the outset of this interview. Um, and I don't know how to answer this question because a lot of this is based off personal experience, but also the work that I do now. But something stuck out where um, one of the comments by one of the person that was being interviewed said that um, – the gentleman was the muscle behind the relationship. And it kind of took me back to my days when I was growing up in the projects um, in Georgia. And my mom had a boyfriend who was not the greatest of uh, individuals. And there were a lot of incidents that happened. But at the same time, um, women sort of depend on men for protection and resources, sometimes to the detriment of the relationship. Um, and I was just wondering, how do you balance and how do you draw the lines between uh, perform be stepping in as children's services, but also pres family preservation. You know, that, that's a really, really um, difficult question to answer, uh, only because it's hard um, to draw a, a, a definite line. Uh, I think it's really important in this work, whenever we're working with young people in, in our foster care and, and youth serving system, to develop the relationships with the child and the family. And that may be the great dividers, um, just in terms of how uh, we look at the real role of the professional coming in. There has to be a relationship there that allows um, that professional to get past all the rules and regulations that are required for the job, but to really be touched and um, connected to the family in ways that rules and regulations may or may not uh, support. Um, that's where I draw the line. When it comes down to a rule that says you can't versus the need that says you must, I'm willing to step over into that line and err on the side of a child and that child's family. And understanding some of the conditions that a lot of the women, and, and not just women, men come into relationships. You know, what are all those variables that have played in their history that caused them to need to be dependent on someone else? And how do we get a person to the point where they have the ability to have enough self-esteem to say enough and not to keep depending on people who don't have their best interests at heart? Um, and you've got to be sensitive to that. It can't just be about rules and checkboxes. And I think that's a great, a great response, Ms. Helen. Can you, one of the things that they said that was interesting that some of the social workers and supervisors kind of had said, just a follow up to 
that response was that um, they were getting mixed messages from the yep. uh, from, from, from higher ups. And so mm-hmm. a person who kind of ran an entire state agency, how do you articulate that to staff to that when there is a difference between the rule and a true need of the child, you always kind of go to the need of the child. How would you articulate right. a leader articu- articulate that to um, a large group of people? Well, the first expectation I would have of someone coming in to work um, in an organization for, for which I had responsibility would be you stand in the place of the parent. You become the parent. Um, you know, and the first question you ask yourself when you're faced with these kinds of challenging uh, situations is what would you do if you had birthed this child? What would you do if this were your child? Um, because as far as I'm concerned, it is your your child the minute the case becomes assigned to you or you make the recommendation that we need to make a removal. And from that point forward, all the decisions have to be made with some level of parental care and compassion. You know, and of course, I'm not telling people just go out and flaunt the rules. Rules are in place for a reason, but so many of the rules are in place from 40, 50 years ago. So it's an entirely different dynamic that would have been served back then compared to what we're doing now. And being able to put yourself in the place of parent. Um, and that's one of the concerns. That's one of the, that's one of the questions that the court asks because there's an in loco parentis rule that exists with the court, you know, and how are you making decisions? You gotta start there um, in order to really be able to do this work well. And so that gets into some other areas too. Um, I won't prolong my answer to this, but I have a whole lot of thinking about how we bring people into the system to do the work on behalf of children and families. Yeah, and that, that's actually a great segue to the question I had for you, Ms. Helen, um, because even with L.A. County and as large as the county is, um, it's hard to, and I know there's overbearing caseloads everywhere, and we have new workers coming into the field every single month. You know, in the case of um, Gabriel, in Gabriel's case, there was a frontline worker that was a new worker and really didn't have the experience to notice certain things, um, to act a certain way, uh, to, you know, make those recommendations quickly because of inexperience. So someone said on the documentary that they if they had their way, the more experienced worker would be in the front lines. Uh, what are your thoughts around that? You know, there's a part of me that agrees with that, you know, and I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth for just a moment. Here. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> you know, um, for one thing, you are correct. The system is overwhelmed. And one of the, the biggest issues is bringing in the workforce. Um, and typically the people who are coming into the system are folks who are just coming out of college who may or may not be a parent um, in their personal life. Um, so that's, that can be a part of a challenge in, in how we address the needs of young children if we've not really interacted with young children before um, and, and families who are in need. Um, so that heightens the need then for some level of mentoring and experience in that initial case um, uh, engagement. Um, so I, I agree that there needs to be some level of, of, of experience there. Do you use your 
your most experienced workers in the front line, because uh, there's some who say, no, you use them on the other side when the cases seem to go too long. Experience comes not just from the actual act of having, you know, something going on in your own personal life. It also comes from the way we orient people. But even before you get there, it comes from who are you bringing in to do this work? It's not just a matter of filling the seat. And we've got to be more thoughtful, more reflective about who does the work well. And what are the kinds of profiles and selection process that we're using to bring the right people into the work? Bring in the folks who have the uh, right characteristics for this kind of work, not just to fill a position, but because they're the right person based upon, and this gets into some of the science piece of this, and then paying them well and supporting them with the ongoing kind of training that people need as they get more involved in this work. So it's got to start with a different way of our hiring and our building a workforce uh, from where I sit. You know, I've had time to think about that and look at how we've done this over the years. And I really would like to kind of flip the way that we bring people in, not just to fill seats, but the right people to fill the right seats, if that makes sense. Okay, everybody, that is not the end of this discussion. Tune in next time as we dive deeper into this Gabriel Fernandez case with our special guest, Helen Jones Kelly. Let's go. Wave your hands in the air.